in John chapter 17, so if you have your Bibles, we're camping out. We're going to be in John 17 the entire time. But um, as we go into this, I want to first give you guys a list. It's a fairly common list. I think you're going to be able to guess it right off the bat. But tell me what comes to mind when I read this off to you guys. Eat healthier, lose weight, get more exercise, save more money, focus on self-care, get more sleep, and all the parents say hallelujah. Yeah. We have two small kids, I say hallelujah. Uh, read, self-educate more. What comes to mind when I read this to you? New Year's resolutions, you got it. We are in that time period of New Year's resolutions. Um, and Jess and I, we love making you know, annual plans and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you guys know how it works. You look at the previous year, 2018. You look at all the successes. You look at some of the failures. We don't want to talk about that. But we look at the failures. We look at our, our goals that we had set at the beginning of last year. Did we meet them? Did we not meet them? How close did we get? And then we start planning for 2019. What do I want to see happen? Body, soul, and spirit. I want to exercise more. Um, I want to read more. I want to have daily devotionals, quiet times every single day. I'm going to go to church every single Sunday this year. Those are all typical things that we see happening within this. But between the end of 2019 and what we just experienced with the close of 2018, we find ourselves in this in-between stage of making those plans, right? Like, this is, we're not at, we haven't accomplished anything yet for 2018. How many of you guys have already uh, failed at your New Year's resolution. Don't raise your hand. I'm, choking. I'm joking. Please don't. I don't need to know. We want you to succeed in those. But we're in that in-between stage, right? And this, this is the first Sunday of the, the year. So we find in chapter 17 of John that we find one of the few times that Jesus is in an actual in-between stage. His three and a half years of ministry just came to a close at the end of chapter 16. The, they've had their last supper. Judas is going to betray him. Jesus preaches his last and probably one of his most impactful sermons for those 11 disciples that are left. He washes their feet, tells them, do likewise. Go and do likewise. Be a servant to all. Like, they're really incredible sermons Jesus is teaching here. And then the sermon's done. But the next stage, the next phase, it's the cross. He's going to be betrayed that night. He's going to be turned over to the Jewish priests that then turn him over to the Roman government that then crucify him three days in the tomb. He resurrects from the dead. Amen. Amen. He has life. He's conquered sin, death, and the grave. And then he goes and ascends into heaven some 40 days later. It's an incredible, it's an incredible thing. But right here, we find ourselves in chapter 17, which he's not gone to the cross. And the three and a half years of public ministry is over. He's in the in-between. And what we find here is amazing because it's the most uh, concise, concrete view into Jesus' prayer life. He closes the sermon out with this prayer. And I love, I think it was Jonathan Edwards. It's one of the great theologians of old. He, uh, on his deathbed, he had his wife read John chapter 17 over and over and over again to him. He said it was the most important passage of scripture he ever preached on. I mean, this is a real important thing. We just celebrated the passing and the life of Billy Graham. There's all these speculations. What was his prayer life like? 
Why did Billy get it here? Did he actually brush his teeth? Did he throw the fire? Like, we come up with all these crazy things about Billy Graham. And everyone wants to know what great men of God do in their quiet, in their prayer, in their devotional time. We get to see the example, the great example here in chapter 17. So let me lay out for you real quickly the first 12 verses, because we're not going to study them today. You can go home and study them. I encourage that. But the first 12 verses are basically Jesus' report card to the Father. He's talking to his Father while his disciples are listening. And uh, he's praying for the disciples, but he's also giving an account of everything him and his dad talked about before the foundations of the earth. You sent me to do this. I did this. You called me to say this. I said this. I saw what you did, and I did it. I heard what you spoke, and I spoke it. I fulfilled everything. It's his report card. It's his, uh, I even forgot the term, this service. Uh, it's the employee review, the annual review. The, that's what Jesus is giving to the Father on behalf of the three and a half years, and really the whole life that he's lived of ministry. And then we get to, check, to verse 13. And we're going to read this in its entirety, the passage of Scripture that we're going to study today, and then we'll go back and we'll break it down for you, okay? So, starting in verse 13, it says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Do not pray that you, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they, may, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me, through their word, that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I am in, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundations of the world. Father, we thank you for your word. Your enduring, never failing, always faithful word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to hearts today. Speak beyond any of the words I even say. To penetrate the hearts, to change the minds so that we can be more like you in this new year, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I want you to get a picture here of what's happening. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He knows he's about to go to the cross. He's about to endure the most severe torture and pa most painful, historically painful method of execution ever created. 
that's in his mind. And Jesus still to the Father says, God, I pray that, you, that my joy would be in them. Jesus' joy was not based off of his circumstances. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? That's a word for some of you guys today. 2019, you're already looking at it being like, ooh, it's going to be a doozy. Your joy, the joy of the Lord, is not dictated by your circumstances. Jesus, looking to the cross, was able to still say, I'm a man of many sorrows, is what Scripture says, but I want the joy that is within me to be upon the believers. Receive his joy today. His prayer is that his joy might be filled, fulfilled in you. And then he goes on to say, I have given them your word. Stop. Pause. Don't look over this passage. This is really important. Anytime Jesus says he gives you something, it's a gift. Amen. It's a gift. And Jesus says, I gifted them, I gave them your word. Your word. I find, whoa, I find this. I find this so amazing that of all the things that Jesus could have gifted us, he chose to write it all down in a book. 66 books to be exact. Multiple authors, thousands of years written. It is perfectly succinct from, from the beginning to the end. There is no flaw. And Jesus says, I gave this to you. And if there's anything that I'd want you to take from today, it's this. The Word of God is a gift. Receive it. Study it. Live it. Yeah. Receive it. Study it. Live it. Why? Because the Word of God is transformative of our minds. If it transforms and changes our minds, then it changes our behavior and our attitude. If it changes our behavior and our attitude, it changes our character, and people start seeing the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and then people no longer look at you, they see Jesus. Amen. Receive the gift of the Word of God. Study it. Know it. We live in a culture right now in Berlin where, as Jess said, there's a lot of Bible illiterate believers. We have people in our Bible study that I've heard this testimony numerous times where they say, you know what, Andy, I grew up in the church. I've lived my entire life in the church, and I've never understood the Word of God until now. This last week, I had a quiet time. God spoke to me when I opened the Word of God. My pastor in Florida had this great phrase, and I commit this to memory because it's changed me when I heard this. He said, when we open the Word of God, God opens his mouth. Yep. In 2019, God wants to speak to you personally, individually. Receive, study, live it out. And Jesus even tells us what happens when we do that. When we do that, the world's going to hate us because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> the reality is, though, this word, this word is contrary to every single thing in the world. In the world. The 
systems, the kingdoms of this world are not the kingdom of our God. You just have to turn on the news and you can see the mentality of the world. Amen. You just have to turn on Netflix and you can see the mentality of the world. It's contrary to this. But be encouraged because you get verse 15. It says, I do not pray that you should be taken out of the world, but that you should be kept, protected, covered from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The word of God is a gift. Receive it. Study it. Live it. Verse 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. So I, by nature, I call myself a disciple. I love the body of Christ. I love seeing, just as Jess was describing, somebody give their life to Jesus. They get, they discipline their life, they study the word, they are filled with the spirit of God, they move in great things, they mature, they grow into maturity. I love seeing believers move into maturity. And so when I teach, I always have to keep in mind those that may not understand biblical words. Sanctify is a big word, you know? So for many of you, you're like, yeah, I know this word. But for some of you, you're like, they didn't teach us that in our vocabulary class in grade school. It's not a common word. So sanctified is, is a word that basically means to be set apart for something holy. And Jesus is saying here, be set apart for something holy by the truth, by the Lord, God's truth. Not Oprah's truth, not your personal truth, the word of God. Some of you are like, you know, I like Oprah. It's okay, you can like Oprah. But the word of God is true. Says the word is true. This is something that I do just in my own personal study. I encourage you to do this as you're going through your quiet time. Just rewrite scripture so that you understand it. This is Andy's translation for chapter 17. Set them apart from the world by daily studying and meditating on truth and not error or lies. That eternal, never-changing truth is only, only, only found in the Word of God. Good word. Amen. 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 Oh, that's that's the word. basic. The that's word. the word. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is, and, and I want to focus in on daily studying and meditating on truth. When I was a youth pastor here, um, when we were developing kind of the core values of GenRev, one of the pillars that I wanted, or two of the pillars I wanted the kids to understand is that we're going to understand and know the truth of God. And as we understand, I would always put my fist up as this represented truth. And I was like, if we understand what truth is, then we understand what lies are. We can, we can expose the lies that we've been believing, that we've been seeing, that we've been living. We can expose that, but it comes from focusing on truth. Many of us need to stop listening to lies. We need to shut off the TV, shut off the news networks, shut off the Netflix, shut off your phone, and get into the Word of God in 2019. That's what we need to know. Because we, I hate seeing a believer believe lies. I hate seeing a believer live lies. I want to see them grow in, full, in the fullness of maturity so that they can be like Christ. We want to be like Christ because we want the world to know Christ. Amen. We meditate on truth. 
Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I, Jesus, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified in truth. Jesus is going to the cross. Remember that. That is the next step. And Jesus said, for their sake, for generations, church sake, for insert your name, turn to your neighbor and say, for my sake, Jesus sanctified himself. Oh, come on. You guys are texting. Say it loud and proud. For my sake. <laughs> Jesus, for your sake, sanctified himself. A lot of times when I'm, I, I, I'm studying scripture, I have to ask myself a lot of questions. You know, like, what would have happened if Jesus didn't sanctify himself in the truth? I don't know if anyone facing the pressure of what he was about to face, if not rooted in the truth, could actually face it. And in that moment, leading up to the cross, Jesus is meditating on all the prophetic words spoken about him through the Old Testament. He's thinking about the promise of what's going to come as he pays the punishment for every single one of our sins. He's meditating on God's truth. He's thinking on it. He's sanctifying. He's setting himself apart in his mind so that he can face what is tomorrow. You and I need to follow that model. Yeah. To sanctify ourselves, to set ourselves apart through the study of the word of God so that we can face whatever tomorrow may bring. 2019 may be a great year for some, and it may be a hard year for others. It doesn't matter. We need to set ourselves apart in the word of God. Amen? Amen. And then in verse 20. Wait, did I get this? Oh, no, I didn't. The word of God lived out sets us apart in truth. In truth. The reason people hate us is not because some, of us, some people in this world hate us just because you're a jerk. Let's just be honest. Some people hate us because we follow what the Word of God teaches, and they just can't wrap their mind around it. Verse 17. Do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. Yep. You realize that as we read that together. I do not believe in these 11 alone, but also those who will believe in me through their word. You are here today because somebody believed the disciples' word that turned and told somebody else who believed, that turned and told somebody else who believed, that has been doing this generation after generation for 2,000 years. And there's a point in time in our life where the Spirit of God has been drawing us unto God and we hear who Jesus is. We hear his perfection. We hear that we are sinners separated from God and Christ came and died on the cross to take away our sins so that we could have relationship with God. And at some stage, we said yes. For four of you. Some stage, we said yes. You are the fulfillment of Christ's prayer. You don't believe God answers prayer? You are the walking testimony yeah, amen. right here. Amen. Your belief is the fulfillment of Christ's prayer. And then he goes on to say, the 
they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them, you and me, they may be made perfect in one. And then he repeats himself in verse 21. That the world, why, does, why do we need to be in perfect unity? That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The mission is that everyone may know Jesus, not just of him, but know him personally. So the word of God is a gift. Receive it, study it. The word of God lived out sets us apart in truth. And the word of God lived out sets us on mission. Be on mission. One of my biggest pedestals, I'm at soapboxes, I'm going to jump up on it because it just, whoa, hey, the symbols are. I'm going to jump up on this pedestal for a second. I, one of the things that I just get really frustrated with in, especially the Western church, but I think it's globally, is we want to compartmentalize people's roles in the body of Christ. Well, you're the pastor, well, you're the elder, well, you're the children's person, you're the missionary, you're the evangelist, and we kind of push people into these boxes, not realizing that all these roles are your job too. I am not the missionary. I am a missionary, categorically. That's my title, I guess. But so are you. You're on the mission field. I love our church in Florida. They posted these signs at the, at the exits of the parking lot that said, now entering the mission field. Every time you left, you'd have to like leave in conviction. You're like, dang it, I am on the mission field. You know? It was fantastic, but it reminded us that where we live is our mission field. Nobody has the family like you have, whether you like it or not. They are your mission field. Your coworkers are your mission field. Your peers, students that are in school, it's your mission field. Your neighbor is your mission field. And nobody's going to reach them like you are. Nobody is. I'm not coming to your house, knocking on your neighbor's door and saying, excuse me, your neighbor's too afraid to talk to you about this, but did you know that Jesus loves you? Like, I'm not going to do that. You're the one that has the relationship with him. Be on mission. Be on mission. I, I'm going to boast for a second. This isn't in my notes. I'm going to go off. But I'm going to boast in somebody here who's just inspired me in this. Year after year, I've known this man since I was a teenage boy, he was my youth pastor, Jeff Ferris. I have watched the testimony of this man's life. He didn't know I was going to do this. Sorry, yes. um, I've watched the testimony of this man's life. How he would just, I'm going to start a Bible study at my, at my work. People would come. People would get saved. People would get discipled. It just, it just inspired me as a teenage boy being like, oh, that's what being on mission was. I didn't actually know that term, but I was, that was in my mind. It's like, Oh, that's a guy that everyone knows. He's bringing Christ with him. Just encourage me. Be on mission. Let's be on mission. Let's fulfill the Great Commission. Christ wants to come back. You know that, right? Yeah. He wants to come back. And I want him to come back. Let's be on mission. Let's share Jesus through our life, through the testimony of just living out his love, studying the word of God, living it out, people seeing Jesus in us. Amen? Where am I at? Where am I at? Jeff, you messed me up. Okay, so. 
Yeah, the word of God lived out sets us on a mission, me on a mission. And here's the last thing. The reality is, though, is the promises of the word are only, are only for those who live it out by following Jesus. That's a hard one to swallow, but that's the reality of it. There is no other way to salvation yeah. except for Jesus Christ. No other way to You want to live long? Honor your parents. That might be a hard pill to swallow for some of you, but that's the reality of it. It will go well with you. The promise of God. We understand honor because we've seen it displayed by Christ. We can practice it. We can emulate it. This is the promises of the Word of God that we have it. We have it if we believe. If we follow. Jesus says it like this, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundations of the world. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here right now. Christ's desire that he prays to the Father that they also, that you and I may be where he is, that we may behold his glory. Christ desires for us to be with him in eternity. And I don't know of any better way to start 2019 than for some of us who have never made that commitment, that have never surrendered our life to Jesus, to say yes to him today. Every believer in this room wants that to happen. We want it to happen in our family. We want it to happen with our friends. We want it to happen with our colleagues, with our peers. We want people to know Christ. That is the mission that we're here for still. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as Lord, meaning that he has full control over our life, and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, meaning he paid in Fool the punishment for our sin. It says you will be saved. You will spend eternity with him. And for us that are here, I'm going to ask every believer in this room at this moment, I'm going to ask every believer to just right now start praying. Close your eyes, guys, whatever you need to do. Believe us, I want you to be praying. I want you to be asking right now, God, would you just move on people's hearts? People that don't know you, would you draw them? And for those of you that have never made that decision, the Bible says that today, today, not tomorrow, today is the day of salvation. Not when you feel it. Not when you've got it all figured out. It's a conscious, willful decision to say, I choose to surrender. I choose to give my life to Jesus. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make. It is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And as the believers are praying, I'm going to ask this. 
If you've never made that decision, today you want to. I'm going to ask you to do something bold first. I'm going to ask you to look at me and raise your hands if that is you. Because I want to pray for you today. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. If that is you. Come into my life, Jesus. 